Welcome, everyone, to the One More Game Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, a.k.a. Darcy, and with me is the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Legia. Pete, how you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm, uh, for our buddy, uh, I believe it's Isaac, who's a big Lakers fan, uh, I took, a, took some time off like Anthony Davis, Anthony Data Davis, street clothes, as uh, Charles Barkley calls him, Prince Charles, uh... So, but I had to take a take some time off last week, recover, recuperate. But I'm um, back this week and ready to go. We're ready to knock out some uh, some of these stories and uh, talk about a little some uh, deeper rooted issues going on in the game industry, unfortunately. But hopefully, bringing these issues to light will eventually weed them out of the damn industry. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it feels like uh, it's been nonstop since we started the podcast that we've had to talk about things like this. And as you said, hopefully um, the more that these things get talked about, the uh, quicker that the culprits can get removed. But I do want to ask before we, uh, of course, kick off the episode and kick off our discussions uh, last time. That you were on here, because of course last week uh, you weren't here from being sick, but you ended the show talking about you bought your Switch. Did you get your Switch, and have you actually played it yet? I did get my Switch. That was a uh, that was a little bit of a tenuous situation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got a message saying I was supposed to get both the Switch and the Ring Fit Adventure uh, on Friday, I believe. Friday or Saturday, um, and then I got a message saying like uh, Nintendo Switch was like, "Eh, we don't know when it's coming. Uh, it could be tomorrow, could be Sunday, could be whenever." Uh, then I finally got a message on Monday saying that it was due on Tuesday, and then I got it on Tuesday, like after I got home from work. Uh, and I have played it a little bit. Uh, Ring Fit Adventure was a little bit more of a workout than I thought, and I'm not sure if that's you know, a good thing that I was working out a little harder or a bad thing that I don't work out at all. And <laughs> it's like why it's like even worse. Uh, it's a little more stressful. So uh, I'm getting I'm getting back on that. I'm doing that a little bit. Uh, feeling a little better uh, about actually doing stuff. Uh, still going to the gym a couple times a week at least too. Uh, last week I was a little up and down on it uh, just because of my work schedule. Uh I was like doing 11 to 7:30, which is great, except for the fact my gym is like you know, uh, six to uh, open at six is opens at 6 a.m. and closes at 10. So it's not at an anytime uh, fitness. <laughs> nah, I definitely need to find probably like a 24-hour fitness. Uh, it's probably a better option. Um, so uh, a little bit lackluster on the gym, but I have been eating a lot better too. So we're you know we're we're we're, we're making progress, making progress, and that's the main thing. Yeah, um, well, yeah, no, I got both stuff. You said you had said that you got the Ring Fit Adventure, so when you couldn't get to the gym, you could work out. So there you go. It's already coming in handy right there for Damn you. Damn right. Yeah. Hell yeah. But- Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in here to the One More Game Podcast. This is a podcast that is centered around making sure you're informed about all the video game news happening around the world. Whether it's Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, or PC, if there's news that you need to know about, we'll make sure that you know about it. When you're listening to this on your podcast service, make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on what your service offers. And if your podcast service allows reviews, please leave a five-star review and tell everyone why you love the One More Game Podcast, because we really enjoy bringing this to you each and every Friday. If you'd like to be part of the show by asking a question 
or suggesting a topic for discussion, head on over to pressstartnews.net slash one more game and fill out the submission form and your submission could be used on the next episode. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoy your visit and I hope you enjoy your stay. If you are returning, you already know what it is. We start off every single podcast talking about what we've been playing lately. So Pete, what have you been playing lately? Uh, so I got a couple more games, uh, cause I was out for an extra week. I have a little extra time to actually do stuff. Um, I tried a couple games. I tried shredders, which is a snowboarding simulation. Uh, didn't really click with me. I, I dropped that one pretty quick. I also tried tunic and I think this is more me personally than the actual game. Cause I thought I had a lot of positives about the game, but there was a couple of times where I was just like, not enjoying myself playing the game. Um, it, it is very uh, very light on explaining how things work and how things are going to do, which is good to an extent, but then when I got stuck at a part and I'm stupid and I can't figure it out, um, I ended up like getting stuck at this one part for like 90 minutes, and I was just like, I'm going to put this aside for a moment, uh, just like let it go, let it breathe, and maybe come back to it later. But a lot of the, a lot of the time I was having fun, but there was just some times where I was just like, man, this is really really aggravating um but i imagine that's going to be a very popular game now the two other ones guardians of the galaxy um really fun with the character interactions they really nailed that that is by far my favorite part the gameplay is pretty good not fantastic the story is pretty good and i'm enjoying that so far i'm on like chapter i think i just finished chapter three and then uh the big one the big one that i've really been enjoying is young souls and i think that's probably one of my favorite games i've played so far this year but i will say it is very repetitive gameplay. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the same things over and over again. Uh, it's action, action RPG, side scroller, beat 'em up, kind of like uh, the, a lot of that, those elements. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think the uh, it might be my sophomore humor, but the it's a lot of the text and stuff. They they drop a lot of f bombs in the text and stuff like that, and uh, a lot of like snarky like teenage jokes for whatever reason are just really charming to me now in, in the context of this game. But uh, that's probably been my favorite game so far. What about you? What have you been playing uh, since I last LFD? Are you still on Babylon Fall? No, you're playing uh, Final Fantasy Origin now on stream. I was watching that yesterday. Yeah, I've been playing that. I, uh, I've i been enjoying it. You know, I know that it is not everyone's cup of tea. Um, and, and there are, don't get me wrong, there are parts that do uh, annoy me, I guess, if I want to talk, say that in a sense. I talked... A little bit last week on the podcast about it and so I'll kind of like reiterate my thoughts but basically one of the things that does drive me nuts currently is that the story continues to just kind of not make sense in a in a way um and part of it I do think now is intentional because the the party the cast that you're playing with all have lost their memories in some sort of way uh they they all make mentions of basically they can't remember things and then they have some of the other party members have little almost like aha moments where they don't technically remember like memories but they will say something of i i rem- i this place feels familiar or like I remember coming here 
And it's one of those things where it's like they don't remember like how they came there or what they came there or what it is. But they're just there's just like these little hints. And so I kind of think that's why part of the it's intentional that the story doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now because it's supposed to be kind of like you as the character or the player also don't know what's going on because you're cast in a sense don't know what's going on either and they're just finding out or figuring out things as they go and they're only driven or known that they got to do these certain things and so for instance of course the joke right now uh i mean not even just right now but of course leading up to the release was uh they just know they got to destroy chaos and so the chaos gets brought up a lot they say the word chaos a lot and that's why a lot of people joke myself included just when it comes to stranger of paradise saying chaos like that's that's all they you know that's all they kind of really know but then there's like small little aha moments that are going on around there um yes i am still on babylon's fall i am still playing that quite a bit uh at the moment uh, i've been doing more just daily missions kind of going on getting my daily uh, missions done that i can advance my battle pass but I had been in the same breath trying to level up my power level because just like with any online game like this, right, you get to a certain point and it's just a grind. Like it just starts to get to a point where it's like, man, I need to hit this cap, like this level cap or of course in this game, this power cap. But it just feels like every time I'm doing a mission, I'm not getting equipment that actually puts me closer to that cap and so you kind of have to just keep redoing missions or doing different missions to try to level up and Uh, and the mmo problem yeah yeah so like i i kind of got to that point beforehand where i was just like okay i'm just doing my daily missions trying to get to that cap which was 150 um and i was at like 125 but i just wasn't getting to that point now just to give a, a quick disclaimer um the game has as i think i've mentioned on the podcast before it has essentially three elements that you need to factor in when it comes to certain missions they have fire they have uh ice or uh in a sense water but ice and um electricity and so fire is of course strong against ice but weak also against ice ice is strong against fire but also weak against fire and then electricity is actually strong and weak against itself. Um, so when I'm doing missions, personally, it's just the way I am. I have three sets of armors depending on the mission that I'm going into. So, of course, if I'm going into a world where it is ice, I'm wearing ice armor but using fire weapons. And, of course, vice versa if I'm going to a fire level. And then in electricity, I just have, of course, all electricity equipment. So sometimes it'll be like I run a mission and it's like I get a drop of equipment and I need it to boost my current thing to maybe 130. But all the equipment that drops is like for electricity and maybe it's not as good as my electricity because my electricity power level is is higher than my fire level. But so it like drops based off of like, oh, well, your fire level is here. Here's the equipment to like boost your level up from there and i'm like but my level is higher <laughs> over here i didn't like this doesn't help me right um however on tuesday a new patch came out which 
I strongly encourage people that haven't dove back into Babylon's Fall since the first run through if it is go in because it dropped new story content new missions new uh mission structures also a new uh i I can't i guess i'll call them race but a new race and a new weapon type which is the battle axe so there's a lot of new content and it also boosted the power cap which kind of sucks for me from 150 to now it's 200 and uh so i'm grunt i'm you know, now playing with a little bit more of a purpose. I haven't dove into the the um, missions or the, the new story content itself just yet, but I've been doing logging on to still do my daily missions. And so now I'm up to like 138. So I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm finally progressing again. But it, at the same time, it's like the cap isn't 150 anymore. It's 200. So like there's a lot more of a gap that I got to close. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm having fun with that and enjoying that. And then the last thing that I played this week essentially was uh, I got back into Sackboy Sackboy, uh, a big adventure, which was a launch title for the PlayStation Five, and it's of course Little Big Planet, but it is centered around Sackboy, and it's more of like a platforming fun type of game. And me and my wife play it together. So this weekend, or yeah, it was this weekend, we decided to to play it a little bit because we wanted to play a game together. And yeah, get a little bit further in that. We beat the first level finally after a long time of getting through it, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I do recommend people check it out. It is on PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4, and if you get the PlayStation 4 version, you get the PS5 version with it for free. So if you don't have a PS5 now but upgrade later, well, then you have the PS5 version to, to dive into. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I have one question about that sack boy. Is this the token thing where if you buy the PS4 version, it's like 10 bucks less and then you just uh, upgrade for free on the PS5 or is that not how that works? You know what? That is actually when it launched, I don't think it was because I oh, bought okay. the PS5 version. Um mm-hmm. and I know <laughs> I know me personally, while I would have loved to have the copy that has like PS5 at the top. If the PS4 version was $10 cheaper, I totally would have just jumped on the PS4 version and just like, yeah. all right, it doesn't matter. I got the, P- you know, I saved $10. I just remember when it launched, I was strongly considering getting the, like, I, w- I don't remember what the version of it was called, but it was like the PS4 deluxe edition because they didn't have it for ps5 for some reason which still annoyed me because the it came with the game and then a stuffed figure of Sackboy in a like a uh, tiger outfit and i thought it looked so adorable and i remember it being <laughs> it was only like ten dollars more than the ps5 version that i was looking at and i was like i really want to get it but uh my wife was like what are you going to use it for? And I'm like, to just look at, (laughs) I'm going to look at it. And, uh, so I didn't get it. Freaking adorable. Yes. Yes. Uh, after the, after this podcast, I will, I will send you the photo of what it looked like. Cause it was so damn adorable. And I was like, I want this, but they didn't have the PS five version. Uh, or if they did, if they did, it was, um, it was more expensive. I can't remember, but, uh, like that seems wild. Anyway. I just thought I I swear if I if memory serves me correctly it was only for the PS4 version and I think it was to try to entice people to still buy the PS4 version 
But uh, like, okay. but it it was. It, I just remember really, really wanting it, and ultimately not getting it. <laughs> so I was I was upset. But anyways, Still everyone, super adorable. Yes, exactly. But that has been what we've been playing lately. So let's get to our gaming catalog because we do have a number of items to get to on this one. There there was actually quite a bit of news that dropped across this week. Uh, we have some information about the developers or the studio behind Ori and it not being as good of a place to work as many may have thought. Sony acknowledging workplace misconduct allegations uh grand theft auto set or not grand theft auto wow and grand theft auto said and we went from five to seven all of a sudden gran turismo seven uh having a lot of issues this last week lost arc may come to console question mark and witcher games are on the horizon that's all coming up here on the one more game podcast but as i said we're going to kick off with our main title and that is ori studio accused of being oppressive sexist workplace this is an article written uh oh actually i think i clicked the wrong one oh I accidentally overlinked my own article, so it doesn't matter. Ignore me. We are going to Venture Beat real quick, or Games Beat, I should say, on this article. This one is written by, and I always hate that they put it in the wrong Dean spot. Takahashi. There you go, Dean Takahashi. And it is, despite its beautiful Ori games, Moon Studios is called an oppressive place to work. Uh, it goes as follows. Gaming fans know Moon Studios for its amazing Ori games with beautiful art and emotional stories, but a number of current and former employees consider the Ori studio an oppressive place to work. That is according to GamesBeat's interview with Moon Developers. Ori in the Blind Forest debuted in 2015 under publisher Microsoft. It was profitable after a week a few weeks while earning an 88% rating on the review aggregation platform Metacritic. Multiple publications also nominated it for various awards and accolades. Moon then went on to release the sequel, Ori and the Will of the Wisp, in 2020 to even greater acclaim, including GamesBeat's 2020 Game of the Year award, We Love the Ori Games. But the studio's behind-the-scene atmosphere does not match the tranquility of its games. Based on an interview with current and former employees, many employees had problems with founder Thomas Mailer. Right? That's what we Thomas agreed. Mailer. Thomas and Mailer Gennady. and Gennady Coral. I'm only saying that because we were we were struggling beforehand to say it and I <laughs> My mind went blank as I went to look at nah, it. We want to get the names right. For exactly. Sure. It is illuminating to see these allegations arose at a small company with all remote practices, a private company that treasures its independence and its, quote, anti-corporate culture. Still, the casual racism, sexism, and bullying amounted to what one developer said was death by a thousand cuts. The developer took pride in their work, and they loved watching the fans' reactions when the game shipped, but many found themselves wondering if the results were worth it. Quote, we really created something special and I know the only way I was able to reconcile it was I was able to watch people on Twitch and watch other people get moved by it and that was actually part of my healing process said one developer because maybe my sufferings was worth it because other people felt something in the end I mean so many of us were burned out uh, Moon developers told GameSpeed that they found the studio's culture oppressive. They alleged the leaders used calls for an open and honest workplace as a pretense for abuse. The founders criticized the work of employees in public chats and were stingy with praise. So 
far, no one is suing or claiming unlawful behavior, but many workers are fed up with what they see as inappropriate behavior by the founders. As an example, Mailer and Coral regularly made unprofessional and offensive comments. Quote, Tyler is the only person who is aware of my devious plans to kill the Jews by making them work to death through game development, Mailer joked in a text chat with it available uh, for anyone in the company to read. The context of the conversation suggested that Mailer was truly making a joke, but it's alarming to think he felt safe and appropriate to say such things in a company chat. One developer said the chat was, quote, rough because the founders felt free to make jokes about their penis sizes. And there are a number of other things that were done in here. I uh, just want to kind of scroll down real quick to the uh, response from Mailer and Coral, and this is what they said. Quote, we don't believe the experiences suggested by your questions are representative of the more than 80 Moon Studios team members who are thriving and doing great work every day, nor do we believe they are representative of the experiences of former members of our team. In fact, we are very proud of our history of making people happy, advancing their careers, and contributing to their financial success. We built Moon Studios with a simple premise. First, we wanted to create a distributed studio that is not limited by geographic boundaries, enabling us to draw the top talent from around the world. Second, we wanted to foster a vibrant culture where our team thrives and delivers the very best work in our industry. And finally, from day one, we set out to share the profits and rewards of our efforts with the full team. We believe we have succeeded. Uh, I'm going to kind of scroll down real quick um, because they kind of just talk a little bit more about some of their um, other aspects. Uh, results are the results have been two award-winning games with more on the horizon and a team of professionals who enjoy working together are excellent excelling and breaking new ground in our industry while also sharing in the financial success of moon studios if at times we are brutally direct in our critiques and challenges we are also genuine and vocal in our praise and we are incredibly proud of everything we have built and achieved together uh they also make a a comment down here that i want to finish with and then pass it along to you pete uh so there it says we are truly grateful and proud of our team those who are here today as well as those who spent time at moon and have since moved on to other ventures and we are happy to have made a positive difference in their lives we are not perfect but we deeply care about our talent and constantly working hard to improve if we have ever made anyone feel uncomfortable or let anyone down we regret that and we will always strive to do better so pete what was your reaction seeing the details of this article i want to start off by saying uh if you're interested in this topic i I encourage you to read this article by uh uh, this game speed article by dean takahashi it is very thorough there is a lot of uh, content in here uh, I will give a warning that there are some graphic content, uh, not just including the jokes. Uh, there are some co- uh, thoughts and ideas that they wanted to do for games. Uh, one game in particular, I believe, is I'm not 100% if it was the Forsaken game that they're in development right now. Um, but there is some stuff in here. I will give a warning about that. Uh, so I guess we'll start off with what you left off on. Um if we have ever made anyone feel uncomfortable or let anyone down, we regret that and we will always strive to do better. That is one of the hallmarks of a non-apology apology that we see time and again. If we offended you, we're sorry. Well, yes, obviously people were offended. That's why this article came out. You know, that's the way that's this wouldn't have come out if these things weren't happening. Like, that's not an apology. That's like, well, you know, if that's putting the onus on the other people for being offended. Well, if you were offended, we're sorry about that. 
Um, another thing that uh, the main thing I want to come uh, start off with here is um, they wanted to prom- the a big part part of the part of this article was they wanted to create uh, Moon Studios, uh, Thomas Mailer and Gennady Coral wanted to promote an anti-corporate culture, which will become important when we get to the next part of this about Microsoft dropping them as a studio. Um, the the important part about that is they wanted to be so anti-corporate that it seemed like, according to this article, they didn't even have a human resources department. They The idea was they wanted to foster an environment that would promote free speech, quote-unquote, and allow them to, uh, you know, people to just have thorough and uh, con- uh, thorough conversations and discussions about stuff. The problem is, if there's no HR department to go to, the people that are in charge are Thomas Maylor and Gennady Coral. So, like, they're the last words on everything. Um, the people, like, they might be buddies, close enough friends to make weird, freaking, uh, like, anti- anti-Semitic jokes with one another or stuff like that. Like, keep that to yourself. This is this is a uh, cor- like whether you want this to be anti-corporate or not, this is still a professional setting. And they talk about in this about the they had some uh, like uh, uh, meetings together. They call them uh, like retreats where they brought people in. And apparently, like Mailer and Gennady, like in person, are like actually really personable. But Mailer specifically, who was mentioned a lot in this article as being the focal point for a lot of like this uh, conversations and discussions that cause a lot of this in, in these issues. Is, is he's just constantly just like bur- like not uh, like just making like crude jokes and like public chat forums and things like that and it's not just the casual racism and sexism and bullying they also they part of their anti-corporate culture is they they uh, didn't track people's hours and they wanted people to just be like look just be around just work and uh you know uh be fine about working and you know we're not gonna uh keep track of you but they also like would try like post messages on off hours and track people because this company is worldwide they would um you know you have people in a bunch of different time zones but then they schedule meetings at like 10 o'clock at night in central european time zone or whatever and like that throws off a lot of people's stuff you know you they're like i said they're putting messages on off hours and like public chats and then like checking who's like checking these things out and like they're not giving uh, they're giving critique, which apparently from what uh, we were in this article was saying that they were giving critiques that are just like, oh, this is garbage. Not explaining why it was garbage, just saying it was garbage or they're micromanaging. And like there's parts of like doing things of like uh, micromanaging, like the pixel, like to the point where they're like they're pointing out pixels and like the, I want this to look like this and that. And it's like really meaningless stuff. And it was like really backtracking so like the idea is like oh we're going to be anti-corporate so we're not going to be um we are not going to in essence like have uh timelines but you still have deadlines you still got to meet deadlines and if you're not being constructive in your criticism and you're not giving like any sort of like actual like planning or anything like that to go along with this stuff this deadline still got to get met and eventually you're gonna that foments crunch time and so there's a lot of stuff in here that is like really like look i i want to i want to stress i understand the article says like there's no uh suing for unlawful behavior it, it, 
just because like it's not not unlawful doesn't mean it's right. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't make it okay for a lot of this stuff to be uh, happening. And that uh, it's just, you know, you read through this and it's just like uh, they. It, it's almost like uh, they wanted to. They think they even say in the like their their uh, uh, mes- their response that you read like. The result, they said, like you said, the result has been two award-winning games with more on the horizon. It's like, the they're like, well, the results are okay. And that justifies everything. And one thing that was really interesting to me was like, the developers that they interviewed, uh, they never, it's not stated how many they interview, but the developers they interview, it seems like everybody else on the team was really cool. It was Mailer specifically and Gennady to a lesser extent that were the people that were the problem here because if you don't have that HR department and they're the people in charge, what are you supposed to do? And even yeah. if there are, you have the HR department, you don't have the people, they're the people in charge. So like who you're supposed to go to, like they're the ones that are making these jokes, like what are making these jokes in these comments, like who are you supposed to go to? The best thing you can do is leave. But like they, the product that they created is so beloved. The Ori games are so beloved by fans that the developers are like saying like, you know, this game was really good for my career. I didn't have anything to go, but like, uh, any, uh, I didn't have like any like real, like solid career before this point. And like the people that I was working with outside of these two were like, it was a, like, I really enjoyed my, like that part of it. And I like, they're like, yeah, I hated the workplace. I hated moon studios. Like it was terrible. It was a nightmare, but like, I have all this like paraphernalia for Ori because it was such a, like the game is so beloved and stuff like that. And that's the parts really interesting to me that they were able to like, like it almost tricks people into like, cause like it almost tricks people. Like they mentioned one point in the article that like after the first story game, like everybody left, like a large chunk of the, like most of the people left, it was like all fresh people coming in and that should have mm-hmm. been a red flag because like, you know, if you made this beautiful game with like these sweet characters that are like super like beloved by a lot of people, you would think that the studio is like that. And it turns out the studio is like the exact opposite. And it's almost like the, the exact thing that they say that, that they wanted to pro- promote uh, the anti-corporate culture, like in essence made it like almost worse mm-hmm. in that regard. Uh, so yeah, I, there's, like I said, go read the article. There's a lot there. It's a really long article, I will say. Um, so be aware of that. But uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> Like I said, just because it's not might not ended up being unlawful or anybody suing for it doesn't make it okay. Yeah, I uh, honestly I don't have too much extra to add because you kind of hit a lot of uh, the points and everything. That's kind of that. no, that's that's part of why we're having this discussion. You did, you know, you hit all all those aspects and just to kind of take one of the things you said, uh, you know, a little bit further because um, I, I was going to say something, but I didn't want to interrupt you as you were um, kind of in the flow. But as you said, because they had no HR department, the two people who are making, you know, the the problems in a sense for a lot of these staff are the owners, the founders. Right. And it's as you said, it's not just like your typical boss. Right. Where in a sense, like you have your manager. Right. And if your manager is causing you issues, you can you can always go a step above them and go to like that person's boss. No, you're the only person, the the two people who, in a sense, and as you said, you know, Mailer is the 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 bigger one, unless to a lesser extent, it was uh, Coral. But, you know, Throughout this article, again, as you said, you'll see Mailer's name quite often 
compared to, to Coral. But if the two people who are causing the biggest problems are the owners, there is no one else to go above to try to talk and have some sort of discussion. And even if you tried to bring it up, and I and I don't recall because, as you said, this article is very long. I don't recall if they talk about in here if any of the developers said that they um, went to them on you know repeated basis trying to like you know mitigate some of these issues and stuff. But even if you tried to talk to them, their statement alone in response back shows you that it, it would have fell on deaf ears. It it would not have registered to them that they have a problem. Right or that there is a problem that's going on by them saying exactly as you said, and of course it's word for word. Our culture resulted in two beloved and renowned games. Makes them say how we ran things shows it works. Right, like if we're trying to summarize it, it's how we ran things shows it works. But clearly, the sentiments of these former employees. it is not is not the case and i don't recall also if it was in here or hyperlinked because as you said again this is a very long article so i do uh echo uh, pete's statements go read this article it is long so keep that in mind so you may not you may not be able to read it all in one sitting you may need to do you know a couple of sittings but i do remember seeing on twitter somebody tweeting out about this article and it again, it, they may have uh, hyperlinked it in this article as well, and that might have been how I ended up finding it. But it was basically them saying that that while they loved, in a sense, their time at Moon Studios, they were so happy to leave when they had the chance. And uh, that's that's not something you want out there on Twitter for someone to say in one breath. I loved working there. Because you're like, when you see that, you're like, awesome, it's good. But then when you have underneath it, I was so happy to leave. It's like, clearly, there is there is a disconnect. There is something that's wrong at that studio. So, yes, go read this article. Uh, it is, it is um, again, very detailed, very well done, and will give you uh, a good insight. And as you you alluded to, and we do have to move on, so unfortunately we can't talk about it too much more. Um, but because of a number of these issues and things that were going on, uh, Microsoft, who published the first Ori, uh, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori Will of the Wisp, uh, has dropped working with Moon Studios. They no longer they are not working with Moon Studios anymore, um, at least at this current moment. So that's also um shows that's a, a bridge was broken even though something again world renowned that received a lot of awards came from the studio you don't just drop a whole studio for for small nonsense things that brought you a lot of titles and a lot of uh, eyes to your platform mm-hmm. um we got to go to our next article and unfortunately we're going to be talking about more misconduct issues and this 
is a newsletter actually written by or at axios.com written by uh, Steven Titio and it is PlayStation acknowledges workplace misconduct allegations so it goes as follows Sony says it takes recent misconduct allegations by eight current and former PlayStation workers seriously in a new legal filing though it's otherwise pushes back at a lawsuit claiming widespread gender discrimination at the gaming giant Uh, this was Sony's first acknowledgement of the claims that were raised last Last week, In those declarations, women who have worked at PlayStation and Sony Online Entertainment provided scores of allegations regarding failures to promote women, indifferent or hostile human resource officials, and demeaning comments. One mentioned a senior manager attempting to grope her, and another recalled being told by a colleague that her wearing a skirt was distracting. Their de- declarations were meant to amplify former PlayStation security analyst Emma Mayo's uh, November lawsuit alleging PlayStation has a systemic sexism problem. Mayo is trying to broaden the suit into a class action on behalf of all women who've worked for PlayStation in the U.S. As I, uh, quote, this is from the, um, let's see here. This is from the company's lawyers. Quote, to be sure, SIE takes the substance of the newly submitted declarations seriously. Although most are by former employees who no longer work at SIE, SIE either has addressed or will address the issues raised in them in due course, as SIE values its female employees and takes proactive steps to ensure they have every opportunity to thrive and be heard. Uh, Sony is conceding nothing in its legal fight, though, with Mayer and wants the case uh, Mayo, excuse me, and wants the case dismissed. Lawyers slammed her original filing, saying it was light on facts that Sony has systemic issues with gender discrimination in terms of pay and promotion, which are central to Mayo's claim. They say Mayo's newer filing, which accompanied the women's declarations, doesn't change that. Sony's argument is that nothing offered yet shown uh, that there were policies or across-the-board imbalances impacting how women were treated at PlayStation, and a hearing on the Sony's request to dismiss the case is set for mid-April. So, Pete, uh, I know that this was the newsletter and of course they have hyperlinks here to all sorts of articles that have talked about the lawsuit beforehand but uh, what was your reaction seeing this acknowledgement coming from playstation on these workplace misconduct allegations a mistake repeated more than once is a decision um (laughs) that's what that was my first thought on it it was interesting the one the one statement that uh, the company lawyer made was despite the sweeping this wasn't uh i believe one of the hyperlinks are hyperlinked articles Despite the sweeping breadth of her lawsuit, the allegations in which SIE categorically denies she fails to uh, plead facts uh, to support either her individual claims or the claims of the broad-based class of women she seeks to represent. Uh, there was also another part where they were like, uh, they, she didn't point out like any single policy, practice, or procedure. And it's like, well, of course you're not going to have those in print anywhere. Duh. That's You're not going to be like, yeah, we're going to treat men better than women. Like That's not going to be a, a, a obvious policy. So like, yeah, of course it's not going to be there. Uh, it's, it, it's the same thing as the last one. Just because they may get away with like not being with like this and not end up having anything happen to them doesn't mean you weren't doing it. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Doesn't mean it's systemic. Like all those things are still uh, active. Like the systemic part, especially, it's like things are systemic because they're bred into the culture and not necessarily just the culture of. Sony, not necessarily just the culture of game development, the culture that prick that per, uh, pervades like the entire world or country or whatever, whatever group of people you want to talk about, uh, things that's what's makes it systemic. 
And just because that those things like seem normal doesn't make them not, uh, doesn't make them okay. Again, like, like this is a very extreme example, but you know, you know, back in the uh, 1800s, 1700s and earlier in America, slavery was okay. Like it was legal that, or slavery that wasn't okay. Slavery was legal. That doesn't make it okay, but that's systemic. That's part of the systemic response. Systemic now, when you see people with tattoos, even now, people are like, oh, that person is, you know, lesser than me. They'll have like a mental roadblock. It's less now than it was when I was a kid. But like, you know, or you go to church and maybe you're in jeans and you go to church if you're, you know, I was raised Catholic. You go to church and you're in jeans and like, oh, well, you're not in your Sunday best. You're, you know, you don't care as much as I do. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with that. There mm-hmm. might be other instances, circumstances going on there, but that's not the first thing. Those, that's what meant by systemic. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, again, like, I really hope that SIE looks at this and be like, look, we're going to get out of this and try to, like, make it so, like, your personal claims aren't obvious, but, like, they had eight women come out and also uh, eight or more women come out and say, like, yeah, this is stuff that's happened. And people that are at the company, they're just like, oh, yeah, like, one of my supervisors grope me or like you know one of a couple of them are making comments about my skirt being distracting or whatever and it's just like that that is the systemic part that's the problem and that's the thing that needs to be uh, cleaned up in a lot of places and like yeah again like i said whether or not this lawsuit leads to anything personally for the person the uh emma majo uh, if I'm getting that name right, whether it leads to anything personally for her or anybody she ends up representing, I do hope that SIE looks internally and be like, look, is there things that we can change that we can fix that maybe there's a problem? Because there's a, like one of these articles was like, yeah, uh, was talking about how women weren't looked at for like uh, like uh, uh, higher roles in the company, mm-hmm. uh, senior roles as much as men, like men, like 70, there was one particular role. She said four women were looked at and there was like 70 men looked at. And yeah, maybe there's less women at the company than there are men. But like, you're going to tell me that there's only four women qualified, but there's 70 dudes qualified. And like, they're being asked questions of like, oh, well, how much time are you going to spend with your family that you're not not asking men Mm -hmm. that like, for one, like maybe they don't need to spend time or they don't care as much about their family. But two, also like women are forced to, stay home more often or stuff like that, or like that matters at all. Like that again, that's another instance where like people are asked questions because of who they look like or what they look like or who they are or their gender or whatever that other people that have other genders or classes are not asked. And that's the systemic part. And that's the problem. Yeah. Um, again, uh, he kind of hit everything, so I don't really have too much more to say. Uh, you actually hit the part, the one uh, aspect that I was going to talk about too was the 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 for Mary it, Har- no, Mary. Oh no, you already talked about it. The Mary Harrington part about uh, the senior roles that, as she put in here, there were uh, for one session there were four women considered for the promotion compared to nearly seventy men. And I was going to say the same thing that you know systemically across all industries uh women are disenfranchised uh or um you know of various genders as well but women are uh disenfranchised from um promotions and things of that nature quite often uh, for a very odd of reasons and one of them as well in this article you know talks about 
comments made about like a, a woman being pregnant um and how you know i still don't understand personally how uh why that continues to be something that's held against uh women when it comes to their ability or their um drive to do a certain job uh having a family is something that men also want yes women have to take time off because of course they're the ones that carry the baby they're the ones that have to go through the birthing process and they're the ones that also need their body to recover from said trauma that happens but it's it still blows my mind that uh, i hear it from friends as well that are females about concerns on you know going to a job or having to leave for uh for if they got pregnant uh or vice versa uh leaving a job to go to a new job and what if they get i've heard this comment what if what if i get pregnant in you know shortly after i start there that's going to look bad on me and it's like no you deciding to have a child does not look bad on you, or at least in my mind, but so many companies continue to hold that against uh, females for that reason, that it's scared, like for that very reason, right? It creates a scare for women to not feel like they can do certain things or want to do certain things because it'll make them look bad versus a company supporting them and understanding that this is a part of life you know what I mean? Like this is this is how you continue life yeah. on on the planet. We should support them, uh, which also um, goes to uh, uh, my soapbox real quick. Uh, there should be universal uh, mat- uh, maternity leave and uh, or I should say paternity leave for both male and females uh, across all the industries in the U.S. Uh, many countries do that already, and it should be something that's here and it's paid maternity. Uh, paternity leave not uh yeah you get time off and uh we won't count it against you uh because i see too much of that as well as listed as some of these people's benefits as they get like half their time in paternity leave paid and the other half they have to take unpaid that's ridiculous pay them my answer to that is fuck yeah all of it um anyways so we're gonna move on to our next article and this is actually another thing that is looking bad on playstation this is on gran turismo 7 and now for the record this has been fixed since then but it was a big discussion or a big thing that was going on at the time so i felt it was important to put in here we are going to the verge for this article this is written by jay peters and richard lawler and it is gran turismo 7 is fully playable again after server problems cut off major features for more than 24 hours uh, gran turismo 7 one of big, the biggest playstation 4 and playstation 5 releases of the year so far suffered through server maintenance for over a day because of an issue found in the game's latest update quote Due to an issue found with update 1.07, we are extending the current server maintenance period, reads a notice on the Gran Turismo website. We will confirm the completion time as soon as possible. As of Friday morning when this was continued to go on, uh, the patch 1.08 was released and downloadable for players. However, even after downloading it, uh, which was a lengthy installation and copying process, the game still wouldn't be playable because you could not connect to its servers. And they tried on various systems and it would not work. Uh, Finally, at about 10.45 Eastern, uh, the Polyphony Digital CEO Kazunori Yamauchi posted an explanation and apology on the game's website and now players of course are fully able to access their career mode and multiple multiplayer racing 
According to Yamauchi, this was, quote, a rare issue that was not seen during tests on the development hardware or the QA session prior to release, but in order to prioritize the safety of the save data of our users, we decided to interrupt the release of the 1.07 update and make the 1.08 correctional update. Uh, and there was other things that are going on in this, including with some of those changes that happened in the update about reducing in-game economy uh, payouts for your various races, which seemed to point even more uh, users towards trying to pay the microtransactions that are in the game to secure their cars. And of course, this had a litany of tweets and responses and things of that nature that the fact that you could not play the game at all because you couldn't connect to servers. So a game that could be played in a sense in single player without being online could not be played because you couldn't, you had to go online. Uh, Pete, because somebody just delivered something to my mail or my door. Uh, I'm going to have you take over here. What was your thoughts? So my thoughts are a uh, really unfortunate turn of events for uh, Gran Turismo uh, in this particular instance, the developers as well. Uh, Polyphony Digital, I believe. Uh is I uh, just really feel unfortunate for all the, the people involved. Obviously, the developers wouldn't want this. Uh, I will say the point I want to focus on more is the in-game economy. If you want like microtransactions to be a bigger part of your game, you cannot, you really can, should not, I guess cannot, it's not the right word. You really should not be just having uh, just like $60, $70 for your game to be sold. Like that should, you should be having an entirely playable game an entirely playable product ready to go that you should not have to do microtransactions. And the, the issue is especially when like you're having these races and events that people could win credits on to actually try to maybe buy these things, which means people are playing your game. So you think you would reward those people. Well, now you're trying to take those rewards away from those people to make it even worse for them. And it's just like, so you sold this game for $60, $70, and now you want them to pay more money to get the car, to get the particular car they want. And it's just like, what the hell are you doing over there, man? Like, I, 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 I am amenable to, like, you know, your patch that you had set up didn't work out the way you wanted to. It didn't connect to, like, there was some issue that you missed. Like, you know, mistakes, these things happen. They're unfortunate. But, like, the, 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 in-game currency thing the fewer credits like just, just stop man just you, 60 70 dollars for a game is plenty uh like and i'm you know i'm not saying you can't have in-game transactions but like to be like hey if you want to play the game you want to play well you just get to we just basically sell you the disc that you can turn the game on now if you want to play the way you want to play you got to spend more money it's like no that's freaking stupid stop it yeah, I uh, I will admit I didn't get to hear all of your things, so I may end up repeating some of it. But yeah, uh, but the the first thing is, uh, as you said, with the payouts, um, I found that part kind of ridiculous because I know that the quote um, the that Yamauchi had said, and maybe it's not in this article. I don't remember exactly, but they oh, it is here. Um, they talked about you know uh, at the same time the pricing of cars is an important element that conveys the value and rarity so i do think it's important for it to be linked with the real world prices i want to make gt7 a game in which you can enjoy a variety of cars a lot of different ways and if possible would like to try to avoid a situation where a player must mechanically keep replaying certain events over and over again that is a great pr spin on saying look 
we know that some of these cars are expensive in the game and they do value the car in the game just like it should be in real life but instead of making a player be able to just get this from playing over and over and doing things to get that thing we just want to make it so that they can go and buy the car just like as if they if they wanted to go buy it um in, in real life it's like you're you're encouraging you're saying right there we want you to spend microtransactions and i get that microtransactions are a, a thing of the future i mean they're a thing of the current but it's it's the way of the future more and more companies more and more games are trying to find out how do we continue to um monetize our game for the long run so that way we can continue to recoup our costs because of course making video games is very expensive they cost a lot of money compared to what they used to back when you and i were a kid and we're playing on the snes and sega genesis right those games came out much more fast uh more quickly because they also didn't take as much time and they weren't as expensive to make now they are very expensive so of course you got to find ways to to offset those costs down the, the the run and then of course on top of it every company wants to make as much money if as possible on their product so microtransactions make sense in this sense right but you and not at the cost of reducing the amount of in-game currency you cur- you gave people that in-game currency from the beginning because you thought hey you know what this is a good in-between or balance of what we think the player that is playing should get uh, versus someone who maybe just wants this specific car doesn't have a whole t- bunch of time to play and they just want to buy the the microtransaction the the in-game currency and just buy it this clearly shows wow people are earning uh in-game Uh, currency faster than we thought we should reduce it so that they get pushed towards this that's not a good look um and then the second thing uh i wanted to say and again maybe you said this but um i do personally have an issue with the fact that they could not play the game even though they couldn't connect to the servers because this is not a multiplayer game right this is not destiny Mm -hmm. 2 this is not uh babylon's fall where it is you you are incentivize or the whole game is technically built around playing with people online this should be just like it is with gran turismo 1 gran turismo 2 gran turismo 3 all the way up of course to gran turismo 7 as a game that i can play by myself offline in single player mode and have fun and decide okay now it's time of course you know, on the versions that had internet. So Gran Turismo, I think three was the first one with uh, internet, maybe not. But I can decide now to go online and play with people or play against people or play online, right? Um, I don't like this this movement. And, it, and Gran Turismo is not the only one to do this. So this is not just pointing at them. But of course, it's this article, so I'm talking about it. I do not like this movement that we have had in recent years of using online connection to determine if you can play the game or not. Mm-hmm. That is no, That should totally not be a case. And I know it comes with, uh, with DRM. Um, and for those that don't know, and I don't remember what DRM stands for off the top of my head, but I know it's like digital... Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's D definitely stands for digital. <laughs> but Digital rights management, I believe. There you go. That's what it was. Um, I know it stands with DRM, right? And it's to try to make sure people aren't 
copying or or pirating your game and it's to show that you have this game to continue playing but you can do that with the disc without having to connect online and the fact that more companies are trying to use that as a factor and again not trying to call out uh call them out in this sense but xbox is more guilty of this uh currently um than it is uh playstation but still this should not happen it should only be the case when it actually matters, when it actually needs to happen. And um, I remember just off the top of my head, Diablo 3 was the first game that I remember playing that I had to play online so that mm-hmm. so that I could actually continue playing. If I did not have internet, I could not play Diablo 3. That still drove me nuts at that time, and it still drives me nuts now. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. So companies need to stop this and get it out of the way and yeah. start making things that if it's a single player game or if it's a single player game with online attachments, single player needs to be available offline regardless of if you turn off servers in, you know, six months or not. So mm-hmm. that's my, uh, yeah, totally, totally 100% agree with that. <laughs> get off my soapbox now. <laughs> yeah. If you want anybody's, uh, opinions on actually, uh, by the way, if y'all want anybody's opinions on like what, uh, uh, the microtransaction burst on uh, GT7 and the reducing of credits. Uh, just look at Metacritic. Uh, it comes up a lot in their negative reviews, so they got like 5,000 of now. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is the lowest PS5 titled fan user score on Metacritic. That is insane. Not great. And it Not went great. like, and at first it wasn't. <laughs> like that's the thing. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. at first. Unfortunately, it was Babylon's fall. And then it was. <laughs> Babylon's hey, Fall is not the bottom go. now. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. We're on let's top enough. Um, <laughs> all right. Because of timing's sake, we do have to drop one of our stories. So let me ask you this. Do you want a speculative news or do you want a confirmed news? We'll go with confirmed. Sounds confirmed good. We, we are to show the people. Heck yeah. So we are going to Polygon for this article. This is written by Samit Sarker, and it is the next Witcher game is in development. The next entry in the Witcher, the role-playing game franchise adapted from the uh, eponymous series of novels and short stories by uh, I, you say it because I've already, my brain went. Andre Sepkowski. There you go. It's currently in development at CD Projekt Red, the studio announced Monday. CD Projekt Red did not provide any information on platforms or a release window, but did release a teaser image for the game that may eventually be known as The Witcher 4. A Witcher medallion with glowing red eyes, partially covered by a field of snow with the tagline, quote, a new saga begins. In addition, CD Projekt Red said that instead of in-house Red Engine, the studio is switching to Unreal Engine 5 for the follow-up to 2015's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. The move comes as part of a multi-year strategic partnership with Epic Games, the maker of the Unreal Engine uh, CD Projekt Red had set in the the release. That doesn't mean that the publisher CD Projekt will sell the next Witcher game exclusively via the Epic Games Store. The company, quote, is not planning on making the game exclusive to one storefront, it said in a reply on the Witcher franchise's official account. Um, Just so that, uh, to kind of get some um, quick, uh, I guess, thoughts across and i'm trying to figure out where it is but um i don't see it here but it is confirmed that this medallion is the lynx medallion which could mean that there is a new uh witcher school 
um, or Witcher House, I can't remember how they call it or whatever, in the game. So I don't know if that, I will fully admit I did not beat nor play very long Witcher 3. So I don't know what happens at the end of Witcher 3 and that might tease that uh, what happened. But Pete, what did you think when you saw this news? I've never played any of the Witcher games either. I'm super stoked to actually play one. Uh, so if this is actually a new Witcher game, which it seems like it is, uh, actually they did confirm it, right? so I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> this is a new Witcher game in development. Uh, I'm really excited. They're, the, especially the last one was like really highly touted. So I'm really looking forward to like getting a chance to like get my hands on a brand new one. A uh, little, little uh, queasy about the Epic Games partnership, like just because it might be uh uh might end up having to be like sp- not necessarily like specific to s- epic games but maybe like it's sold there for a few months before it's sold elsewhere i know they say it's not going to be specifically on there but that doesn't like might not necessarily preclude like hey epic games is going to get it first so if you want to play it you got to uh, get it for the first three months or six months or whatever on epic games the, but it says in this press release it's not going to be specific there they're exclusive to one storefront so hopefully they hold true to that and just say like, Hey, it releases everywhere at the same time. Um, but like the, you know, the unreal engines, a you know, really popular, powerful engine and a lot of games have been made on it. That was, uh, Epic, as we talked about in the previous episodes, that is Epic game. That was Epic games, bread and butter before they made the Epic game storefront. So like, uh, re- really understandable that, uh, Hey, we got this new game going on. You got this relatively new engine. That's really good that a lot of people like like building on. Why don't, why don't we just uh, tag team? I would, uh, although I said I was queasy about that, uh, them possibly being restricted to for some time on the Epic Games Store in front, the fact that it's a Witcher game, it's it's kind of like the, the Activision Blizzard, like Call of Duty thing, right? Like it's just such a popular game, such a like well-selling game that it's unlikely that they would be restricted for too long if it would be at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of like, look, we can make a ton more money by doing it this way than the other way. Why would we restrict ourselves? It doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, not really super worried, but it does make me like kind of cautious, I guess I would say. What about you? I'm, uh, well, first off, just to, to get it out there. Cause I did say I didn't play the Witcher three or play it very long. Um, I actually own it both on PC and on PlayStation. I, my PlayStation copy came with like a, a bundle that I bought for my wife and the PC version, I ended up getting for free from a friend, but it kind of was one of those things as always, right? It, I got it right as I was playing like a bunch of other games. So I started playing it and then I was like, wait, I'm going to go back and finish these other games and I'll eventually come back to it. And I just never have. So, um, it's not like I didn't enjoy or like The Witcher 3, so I just wanted to clarify that. But um, I'm surprised, honestly, that they signed this agreement because CD Projekt Red had been so um, focused in touting the Red Engine that I'm surprised it sounds – I know they didn't say it in this release, but it almost sounds like they gave up on trying to use yeah, it, it or continue like to – abandoning it. Yeah, or like to to evolve it, and maybe it's just one of those that they want to take more time to work on it, that they, you know, maybe need some new things, but of course part of it is, uh, for some people, and I kind of agree, like this article says, um, basically the using Unreal Engine 5 could be easing some of the technological burden of developing the next Witcher game because you look at Cyberpunk 2077 and how that went, um, that was using uh, the CD Projekt Red engine. So 
maybe they from that experience was like okay look while cd project red engine was really good for witcher 3 moving forward for future games it's not in its current state going to be well and that's going to take a lot longer to fix and get a game ready to go versus just agreeing to use unreal engine 5 and we can have our own team work on red engine without having to worry about oh we got to hit deadlines you know to to get the witcher 4 out if that's what it ends up getting called um but i also think that my one thing to maybe justify this and i could be wrong right is i think that this was more so just an agreement between cd project red and unreal engine or of course epic games uh to one solidify that the game will for sure come out on unreal engine you know that CD Projekt Red doesn't decide mid-development, hey, we're actually switching back to Red Engine, right? So I think, one, that agreement could be that. And two, I think it ju- it may be one of those where it gives marketing um, rights to Epic Games. So I think what you'll see a lot is on, like, marketing pieces, you'll see Unreal Engine or uh, Epic Game Store as, like, part of their advertisement pieces versus you seeing Steam. Like, you might see it at the end, right? But it's just one of those things uh, similar in nature as we've talked about when you're like, Xbox gets marketing rights to certain things or PlayStation gets marketing rights to certain things. You just see it more on, like, building around that aspect than it is anything other. Game could be coming out on other systems, but they just get the, kinda the, like, the first dibs you know so to speak yeah kind of like the, the like they'll announce a game on like a play uh like a play uh a state of play on playstation or something like that but it's like yeah it's coming out on everywhere but they got the exclusive rights that makes sense correct and it could be and it could be one of those where like you'll see at some point in the trailer being like um like uh I don't know how they would word it, but basically it could be like working uh, working directly with Epic Games on the Unreal Engine 5, right? Because then you'd be like, oh, so like, you know, for the, the average person who may not follow this and only now when they see the trailer of the announcement go, oh my god, they'll be like, wow, so like it's not just CD Projekt Red working on it, but like the people who actually made Unreal Engine are working directly with this game, like this is going to be like phenomenal right that could be something that they do with it but i uh, <laughs> yeah for those that can't see this pete is back here like waving his arms like the inflatable two men uh back there but uh i i just am curious what this what this means um when it comes to the pipeline for the game you know we're getting this this obviously uh confirmation that a, a new witcher game is coming at some point but where are we when it comes to the timeline of development? Because remember, Cy- Cyberpunk 2077, uh, you know, not excluding or not including the delays that it did, le- you know, leading up to its release. But like we got news about that. I think the earliest we heard about that one was like 2013 or 2014, if I remember correctly. And of course, we didn't get that game for many, many years. Like I wonder how, how where is that in this pipeline? Are we still? several years away from actually getting our hands on this or is this slightly a confirmation of like you know it's not just starting development like we're actually we've been working on it yeah exactly so we'll find out of course probably in the months to come in the the weeks to come but i do want to mention before we get to our upcoming releases uh suicide squad kill the justice league if you were really excited to grab that this fall 
you will have to wait. It has been delayed to 2023, spring 2023, if I remember correctly, but Sefton Hill, the game's director, said on Twitter, I know a delay is frustrating, but the time is going to make the best game we can. I look forward to bringing the chaos to Metropolis together. Thanks for your patience. And so just real quick, Pete, uh, were you sad at all by seeing this? Kind of sad, but also happy. Um, not happy that it's uh, that I don't like the game. Happy that it's like, take time. Take all the time you need. Don't put more pressure. Don't create we heard did two of them already We'd create toxic work environment like stuff like that just take, don't don't abuse your workers man just, uh, just take all the time you need i understand these corporations these game companies just like they really want the games out they want to make the money but like you know make the guest best game possible take as much time as you need yeah delays always suck as they say but at the same time i agree like if it means a better quality product at the end of the day and also your workers are not stressed and pressed to the max delay it we'll we'll still all be happy and enjoy it when it actually comes out um those that are actually we'll excited for here. it and suicide squad did look really cool i will admit um so mm-hmm. i hope to i hope to see that so again when is that coming out sometime in 2023 i think spring 2023 but we don't have a specific that's date the, but yeah that's what the tweet said spring 2023 but if you want to spend some money this week on your hard-earned cash, and I will tell you some about those games, something about those games, here in a second. And it starts with today, Friday, March 25th. We have Ghostwire Tokyo for PS5 and PC, Kirby and the Forgotten Land for Switch, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. On Monday, March 28th, Nightmare Reaper for PC, Lost Judgment The Kaido Files DLC for PS4, Xbox Series, PS. PS5, excuse me, Xbox Series, PS4, and Xbox One. Tuesday, March 29th, we have Akai for PS5, PS4, Switch, and PC. There is a demo available right now on Steam. Abermore for PC. In Nightmares for PS4. Crusaders Kings 3 for PS5 and Xbox Series. WRC 10 for Switch. Crystar for Switch. On Wednesday, March 30th, we have Aerial Knights Never Yield for iOS and Android. It is currently out on all major platforms. And I think there is a demo available still for that game if you are interested. Uh, Death Stranding Director's Cut for PC, Agent Intercept for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. Thursday, March 31st, we have Coromon for Switch and PC. There is a demo available on Steam as of this recording. I don't know if it is going to be taken down now with the release coming up. Uh, Fix Fox for PC, Pirates of Gravite for Early Access for PC. Demo is available on Steam as of this recording. Moss Book 2 for PSVR, Weird West for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. That will be on Game Pass. Uh, Glitch Hikers, The Spaces Between for PC. There is a demo available on Steam. And then on Friday, you have Terror Bane for Switch and PC. Pete, any of these catching your eyes? So there's actually quite a few. Uh, Kirby, Forgotten Land, a lot of positive feedback on that one. So that's probably like the main like major title. But some of the other ones, like Tina's Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, like that, uh, uh, that, uh, cli- that uh, promotional video. God, I can't think of the video. What's it called anymore? Anyway, that looked really cool. Uh, Coromon, uh, I got the demo downloaded as we speak. I'm going to give that a whirl on the PC. Uh, Weird West, especially if that's on Game Pass, that kind of uh, looks like something to try. I'm also got the Pirates of Gravity and Glitch Hikers demos downloaded. I'm going to give those a whirl too. 
Look at you. You're just like, I, I, I put them on there just to pass them along, and you were already taking advantage. You're like, you know what, demos? Let's get them. Um, for myself, I mean, I think it's no secret, Ghostwire Tokyo. I know that it didn't get as good of reviews that I kind of expected, but I still think it's a game that I would be really happy with and really enjoy. So I'm, of course, still looking forward to that one. Um, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, I've said it before. I um, really just love the setting of that game and I'm not a huge Borderlands person but like that one has really gotten my attention uh and then just some of the other games uh, Weird West I've actually been following that game for quite a while so I was happy when I saw that it was going to be on Game Pass because I wanted to get it but of course I had other games in my uh, you know priority list that was above Weird West so now I can actually play it and dive into it like I want to and I think I may stream that um to, at least at first to just kind of give my opinions my initial reactions as I play it but it looks really cool um uh Koromon of course just the Pokemon aspect um but Death Stranding's director's cut I um I played a little bit of Death Stranding I have it on PC and I actually really enjoy it but I got away from it because of other games so uh the director's cut I may end up paying for that upgrade so that I could I can play Ooh. it um, right. And then my last thing, and I won't, I will fully admit, okay, so this is uh, quick insights into my mind because, and Pete doesn't know this because of how this all came to be, but Abermore. So Abermore uh, was a game that I saw actually about, I think a month ago or two months ago on a PR website that I am a part of that I can request uh, keys and I almost sent that game back at the time when I first saw it to Pete to see if he wanted to review it here for press start um, because I thought it looked really cool and I continued watching it I am still fully admitting right now I don't know if this game actually comes out on Tuesday because on that PR website, it says it comes out in 2023, <laughs> but Steam said it comes out Tuesday. So I don't know. Maybe it's know. like an early access thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not listed as an early access. So I'm not 100% yeah. sure if it comes out on Tuesday, but the game looks really cool. Uh, just to kind of summarize it real quick, you're a thief and there you have to like sneak in and steal things and get out without being caught and combat in kind of the way it looks is almost uh like um uh why am i having a brain fart right now i want to say death like but doom. it's not death it looked like doom to me but like no, uh it's um god dang it what did arcade studios first i'm having a brain fart right now hold on I'll uh just we're just now we're we'll, we'll we're not gonna be able to figure it out i think in this time frame no we do <laughs> dishonored i don't know why my mind kept oh, saying okay. death loop but yeah dishonored it reminded me okay. it reminds me a lot of Di uh, dishonored and i love dishonored so um yeah i hope it comes out and i uh i hope people check it out and report back to me how it how it looks because Sounds my like wife's a, not gonna let me buy it right now. <laughs> let's say it sounds like a directed at me thing, and I'll see what I. Can oh no do. no no! I'm not I'm not directing at you. I just meant for our listeners. I oh, I hope okay, someone okay. I hope someone that's <laughs> hearing this is actually like, oh, I want to go check this game out, and then they actually pick mm. it up, um, look and let me know if it's good or not. But yeah, mm -hmm. it looks really cool. Uh, with that being said, we are pretty over on this episode. Uh, but Pete. Is there any final words you want to say before we leave people for the weekend? I'm in the middle of watching the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. I'm on episode five currently. Um, really interesting. 
uh, in general, just don't uh, just don't mess with people. Just don't fuck with people. Just be kind and good to one another. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And I want to say, uh, Pete, uh, this episode has felt really, really rough on my end because I've had so many brain farts and I got very flustered when uh, my doorbell rang <laughs> right in the middle of the episode. So thank you for rolling with the punches and keeping this thing, uh, this boat going forward. <laughs> That's all I, I mean, yeah, it's li- it's it's as live. So, you know, you do what we can do. Um, like we went long today, but there was a lot we covered and a lot of serious topics. So, you know, I mean. Yeah, sometimes it'd be that way. At the end of the day, as Pete said just a few seconds ago, be good to people, be kind. And everyone, that is it that we have here for this episode. Once again, I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, a.k.a. Darcy. This has been the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Legia, and we really enjoy bringing this to you. As always, everybody, stay hydrated, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep on gaming. We'll see you guys on the next episode.